Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Fred Lowry, illuminating God's Word for today's world. The choice, the Word of God, or the world. The choice, Christ, or culture for us. We can choose Christ. I want to talk to you about the Christian personality, except today I'm going to call it the Christmas personality. Do you have that? Or do you get your tinsel in a tangle? What kind of personality do you have at Christmas? What about Black Friday? Greed, pushing, shoving, me first. Shelby wanted something that was at Walmart. And so she was going to try to get it in Austin, and I was going to try to get it in Dallas. And so I'll do almost anything for my girls or my grandkids. So I got up at uh, a little after four, and I was there at 20 minutes till five, along with about 7,000 others. And I have never seen anything like it. The pushing and the shoving, and they had walkie-talkies. They, I mean, they, had, they were working in groups, and they would open this thing up, and one, one of the group would stand here and grab one and throw it to another one and grab one and throw it to another one, and they, and they put that in the basket, and they moved to the next one. And I realized that if you got in that crowd, you could be crushed. I also realized that saving that $20, I had much rather give Shelby the $20 and make up the difference than to continue in that frenzy. And I was not surprised when I heard on the news that in New York City, a Walmart employee died after he was trampled by the crush of shoppers who literally broke they started pressing against these sliding glass doors. And they kept pressing and they broke through those doors. And one man was on the bottom and was killed. 34-year-old employee. Four others, including a pregnant woman, were hospitalized. But it gets worse. The crowd walked past the dying man over the dying man, and around the dying man, nobody offering to help. And even when the other employees tried to help the man, the crowd pushed and shoved them. Now, even when they were told to leave because a man had died, they kept on shopping. You say, well, that, was, that is absolutely terrible and heartbreaking, but that's New York City. This is Bossier City, where the best city in the state for families to, for to raise a family. But I was in our Walmart, and I was a good piece away, but I saw a woman on the floor, and I saw people all around her carrying on their business, walking right around her to get to something 
and never even paying her any attention. And so I made my way over there to, to see if I could help the lady. And before I could get to her, she was pulling herself up. And then the, one of the clerks saw me coming over there and the, and the clerk asked her, can I help you? And the lady said in a rough voice, no. And she was holding her stomach and she went out of the building. And that's in our own city. What is it about us that we become so selfish and so self-centered and we think that life is about stuff? There's an old Russian fable. Two poor peasants, Ivan and Boris. And the only difference between Ivan and Boris is that Boris had a goat and Ivan didn't. One day, Ivan found a bottle and he started rubbing on that bottle and a genie appeared. And the genie said, you can have just one wish, but you can wish anything in the world. And so he thought about it just for a second. And Ivan said, I want Boris's goat to die. In Galatians, Paul describes what Black Friday living is all about, where it can lead. Loving self, loving stuff. And in Galatians 5, verse 19, I want you to listen to these words. The act of the sinful nature, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible is saying that in the flesh dwelleth no good thing. What is the flesh? When the Bible talks about flesh and spirit, what does it mean? Flesh is man dominated by sin. It's man focusing on the outer man. The flesh is natural man. The spirit is man dominated by the spirit. The focus is on the inner man and its supernatural living. So there is a struggle between the flesh and the spirit. And the Bible tells us we can expect to have a struggle between the flesh and the spirit for as long as we are on this earth. Could I get a witness that we all have experienced that? It is a battle. Here is the principle. God doesn't take the struggle out he puts the Spirit in. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 is literally a verbal snapshot into the heart of man. Because in the flesh, man is capable of absolutely any sin. So that this first list is a verbal snapshot of the heart of a sinner. The next list we'll talk about in a moment begins in verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit. That is a verbal snapshot into the heart of God. Now, the first list represents the flesh, and the second list represents the Spirit. When we allow our base desires to rule our lives, we get the first list. 
When we allow the Holy Spirit to rule our lives, we get the second list. And it's always a choice. So let's take a look at this second list, beginning with verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I didn't see any of that at Walmart. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, that's how God wants us to live and made it possible for us to live. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us be controlled, dominated by the Spirit of God. So in these verses, we have what I'm calling the Christmas personality. It's the Christmas personality defined. By the way, the only person with a perfect personality was Jesus Christ. And he had all nine of these characteristics. Perfect personality. You say, well, pastor, I'm not like Jesus. I'm not Jesus. I'm not perfect. I know that, and I'm not either, but I got some good news for us. If we go back to that first Christmas, Jesus was born to die for our sins. That's why Christmas is so special to us today. Jesus, who was born into our world, born to die for our sins on Black Friday. The sins that he knew would control our lives. The sins that he knew would condemn us to a devil's hell. The sins that he knew had to be judged. And so God set forth a plan that Jesus would come into this world to be born to die for our sins. And that's what happened on the first Black Friday. Remember? You remember well. At noon, everything became dark. Why? Because at that moment, God was placing every sin man has ever committed in the past is committing in the present or will commit in the future. God laid on Jesus the sins of the entire world. Jesus was taking God's judgment for our sins. He was taking our place. The punishment for our sins. And in that moment on Black Friday, Jesus looked up and said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God, who cannot look upon sin, turned away as all of his wrath, all of his judgment was poured out on Jesus Christ on that Black Friday. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Now, when Christ comes into our heart, when Christ changes our heart, he also wants to change our personality. See, I, I, I run into people all the time, you know, and you, and you do too, people who are just a little bit cranky and obnoxious and, and whatever, and, and they will say, well, you know, that's just who I am. You've got to put up with it. That's just the way I am. I just say whatever I think. 
Well, you need to read the Bible. Because we are to live in the Spirit. Dominated, controlled by the Spirit. We are to be like Christ and we are to spend our lives trying to become more like Jesus. We are to desire the personality of Jesus. Not be who we are, but be like who He is. One reason we're not making an impact in this world is because we're acting like who we are. And the world doesn't want what we have because there's not enough difference in what they have in their own life. In John chapter 15, verse 4, Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So if we're going to have these fruit appear in our personality, these characteristics, then we're going to have to abide in Christ and his Holy Spirit will produce that fruit in us. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. On your own, you will not ever be like Jesus Christ. On your own, you'll never become more and more like Jesus. On your own, you will never have these nine virtues, graces, these characteristics in your life. But verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So when we, when we have this fruit in our personalities, it is showing others that we belong to Christ. If the Holy Spirit lives within you, and he does, and if you are surrendered to the Spirit's control, and you should be, then the Holy Spirit of God will bear his fruit in and through you. Now, you might notice in your translation that the word fruit is singular. It's not pick and choose. A lot of Baptists want to pick and choose what they want, the parts of the Bible they like or they think they'll want to do or might, could do. But it's not pick and choose. It's all of these qualities, all of these virtues, all of these graces should be found in every believer who is controlled by the Spirit, who is walking by the Spirit, who is ruled and dominated by the Spirit. And if that's the case, you will undergo a radical personality change. And that's why God doesn't take the struggles out because he uses those struggles to knock off those rough edges in his desire to make us more and more like himself. And that's how we're to live. We're to, to live under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. And submitting and obeying him so that we become more and more like Jesus. And so we have nine of these graces. And they are not the result of you and me working hard because we can never do it on our own. You will never be like this trying it your own way. 
It's something that God does in us when we allow him to have control of us. The first one is love. It's first because it's the foundation of all the other graces. Everything else is built upon love. 1 John 4, 8. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. Selfless love is the essence of God. It is the character of God. The single word that describes God's character is love. And the Bible tells us, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. But now you know what? I don't think any one of us loves like we ought to love. I'm not sure any of us has really arrived in this area. And this is the beginning point. This is the foundation. And next year, our theme for the entire year is, is going to be love. Love loud, living it out. And we're going to try to love each other and love Bozier and make a difference in people's lives. But this love is the kind of love that is our badge. How do people know that we belong to God? You will know them by their love. By their love. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, do we? You know, I love God, but my behavior proves that I do not always love him with my whole heart. What about the other part of that? I love my neighbor or my neighbors, but I often fail to love them as much as I love myself. Would that be you also? Let me tell you one of the reasons why we're like that is because our love is a need love. We love because we need something. We often love people because we need something from that person. I love you so you will love me back. I need love or you will do this or that for me. And so I love you. And the other side of that is also true. Most of the love we receive from other people is a need love. You know, sometimes uh, I'm sure you've run into people that, that are so needy, they just kind of hang on to you because their needs are so great. And they tell you that they love you, but it's a needy love. Even for my closest friends many times, it's a need love. They need something from you. They, they need your company to make them feel better about themselves. Now, this need love, this, this is the natural love, the common love, it is not evil. It's okay to have needs. It's okay 
for your love to be a need love. But God wants us to go a whole lot further than that. And the Bible warns us that if our, if our love is a need love, what will happen if we're not careful that will cause us to manipulate and to use other people. I know none of you have ever done that or heard about anybody that's ever done that. But if it's based on need, then even you're needing somebody's love that makes you vulnerable to manipulation and to being used. Now, when you manipulate, when you use somebody, that is evil. And that should never be a part of your life. In the New Testament, we have three words for this natural love, this need love. One is eros. We get our word erotic, and you're familiar with that word. It's a desire for someone, usually. Philia, or phileo, is a friendly kind of love, a friendship love. We get our the Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Storge is a affection for those closest to us. So those are three words of the New Testament that have to do with this common love, this natural love, this need love. But when we're told to love in these nine fruits of the Spirit, these nine graces, the word is agape. Agape. It's a different kind of love. These others, eros, phileo, storge, those are, are a, a natural love. But agape is a supernatural love. Agape is something you cannot do without God in you doing it through you. See, we're, we're too selfish to love anybody totally unselfish. Agape is totally unselfish. It totally has the interests of the other person in their minds and hearts. It's caring more about the other than about yourself in whatever situation you're involved in. A supernatural kind of love. So need love is based on natural love. Spirit love is based on supernatural love. The difference, natural love, you give and you get something. You give and you get something. You have me over for dinner, I have you over for dinner plus dessert. I'm nice to you, you're nice to me. You give and you get. And if you're giving and you're not getting, you blow them off. You want to hang out with somebody else. That's a natural kind of love. A spirit love, you love and get nothing back. You're not expecting anything back. Natural love is always expecting something in return. Spirit love expects nothing in return. John 3.16, we looked at that for several weeks. For God so agaped the world. We had nothing to give God back. God loved us with that 
self-sacrificing love. Jesus is our model for perfect love. He loved perfectly. And Jesus came to save us from this selfish kind of love. God loves us when we can't love him back. God loves us when we can't love each other. God loves us when we're not acting like we ought to act. God never stops loving us, and he never will. And we've never done anything to cause God to love us any less. But God wants us to also live in love. And he wants us to love other people like he loves them. In fact, God has taken up residence in our hearts. He wants to love other people through us. See, that's why God is in us. All that God is, he is in us. And all that he is in us, he wants to be through us. But we have to be willing. We have to give him control. So that we become God's feet and God's hands and God's mouth to spread love. And to live a life of love so that we're characterized by love more than anything else. He wants us to live a life of love. And he enables us and empowers us to do it. Now, this fruit of the Spirit is a supernatural love because you can't do it on your own. That's why it's one of the, it's one of these listed in the Bible, one of these nine. Because we can't do it on our own. But here, here's what our goal ought to be. Our goal is to become spiritually mature so that we love like Christ loves. Never perfectly. But that we have the mind of Christ, the attitude of Christ, the desire to love with getting nothing back, just like Jesus Christ. And how can we do that? We're just human beings and perfect, but we have Christ who, who takes up residence within us in the power of the Holy Spirit, who energizes us, who actually gives us the ability, the power to love the unlovely to love the irregular people, to love anyone and everyone, to have a Christmas personality, a Christ-like personality. And see, if we, are, if we are followers of Christ, then we should display the love of Jesus at all times and in as many ways as possible. Wherever you are, if you are in Walmart, you are to display the love of Jesus. If you are, if, if, if you are in your home, you display the love of Jesus. In your neighborhood, you display the love of Jesus. See, somehow people get this idea that you come to church and that's what you do for the Lord. And you give him this hour. Or two hours on Sunday. If that's so, you're living far beneath your privilege as a Christian. And you may not even be a Christian. Because what God wants to do, he has inhabited you for a purpose. And he wants, you see, when he left this earth, 
His work was going to be carried on by those who would be indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And that Jesus would show himself through us. That Jesus would love people through us, care about people through us. Agape love is a willingness to give of oneself for the sake of another's joy, another's well-being, another's growth, another's success. It's other person-centered. Agape love. Love is not a feeling. It's, it's not a way of, it is a way of thinking and acting. Love is a verb and it is a decision. We function in love. And when you read 1 Corinthians 13, which gives a description about love is this, love is patient, love is kind. It's not talking about feelings. It's talking about love in action. Love. The second is joy. Deep inner joy. That if you are dominated by the Holy Spirit of God, if you are letting Christ rule your life, if you're walking in the Spirit, then in your Christmas personality, there is love and there's also joy. But it is a joy that is not tied to circumstances. Not tied to circumstances. It is a joy that you can be joyful in the midst of adverse circumstances. Why? Because in the Spirit-filled life, with the Holy Spirit in control, you trust the sovereignty of God, no matter what's happening or what you think is happening. My friend, if you're on your own and you're running your own life, I tell you, I would be really scared about living in this world right now. I don't know how anybody would want to be on their own. But this kind of joy that's uh, one of the, the fruits of the Spirit in the, in the Christian's life is a joy that the world doesn't understand. But the, and it's not talking about a giddy happiness. It's not talking about, you know, just, you know, happy, happy, happy. It's not talking about that. It's talking about an inner, inner settled joy. That whatever happens around you, whatever happens in your family, whatever happens in your neighborhood, whatever happens in your life, you know that God loves you and that God is in control, and that you can trust him completely. That's how we're to live. And if we live that way, there's an inner joy. Romans 8, 28. That God is somehow going to bring good out of this for, and his glory. John 15, 11. I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Love, joy, 
And the third is peace. Irene, the Greek word, we get our word Irene. Peace is an inner response of quietness deep within your soul. No matter what's happening externally, there's an inner peace. When my mom went into heart surgery, we talked and we talked about her funeral. We talked about a lot of things. And she had a peace that whatever happened, it's going to be okay. That if she died, she's with the Lord. She's with dad in heaven. If she lives, she gets to stay here a while longer. But there was an inner peace that was evident. And then when she went back into surgery, there was still that, that inner peace that when we go through the storms, and this is what the world cannot understand. They cannot understand how we can be peaceful. We can have inner peace in the midst of a crisis, in the midst of a storm. But we can. A couple of years ago, I thought I was dying, and one of these days I may tell you about it. But I knew that it was over for me. But I knew in my heart there was a calmness and a peace that it's okay. Because my trust is in God. And I'm in a win-win situation. And that's something only God can give. And, And we're so thankful the world can't take it away. Peace. You have the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, all human understanding. It just drives the world crazy trying to figure out how we can have peace in the midst of a storm. You have peace with God. That's when you become a Christian and the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life. So in in this beautiful passage, first there is love and then joy, and then peace. And let me tell you what's amazing. Do you know what this whole world wants? Rich, poor, doesn't matter. Big shots, little shots. Everybody wants love, peace, and joy. But the key is abiding in Christ. That's the only way to get it. And one of the reasons my mom had so much peace during this whole process is because she has spent her entire life studying the Word of God, reading it over and over and over. You see, God uses those verses to strengthen that peace within. Intimacy with God. Trust. Trust in God. Claiming God's promises. That's only available in the Christian life. And what the Bible says is is that these are character qualities, love, peace, and joy, that are available to every Christian. 
And that if you allow the Holy Spirit to rule your life, to dominate your life, then love, peace, and joy will appear. Love, peace, and joy will appear. But if you live your life dominated by the flesh, controlled by the flesh, you won't have peace, love, and joy. And the consequences of a life controlled by the flesh is frightening to even think about. So here's a question. What's on the top of your Christmas list? What's on the top? I'll tell you what mine is. I want to have a Christian personality every day. Will I ever be perfect? No, not even close. Will I mess up along the way? Many, many times. Will I always love like God wants me to love? Probably not. But if I can just keep trying to be a little more like Jesus and to have his personality and respond to people the way he would respond to them and to love people the way he would love them and to look at people the way that he would look at them and to reach out to people the way he would reach out to them, then I don't believe there's anything in life that could compare with that. What about We hope you were blessed by our program today. If you would like a copy of today's program, go to www.fredlowry.com where you can find this program and other Christian resources by Dr. Fred Lowry. 